to you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. Hello again from me, John Richards. West Coast and Natural History. It's a book that's been out for quite a while now. John S. Compton, he's a geology professor and a geology researcher, but so much more than that, who has produced this wonderful book, which has got everything about the West Coast, and asked him uh, to come back and talk to us again about particularly something called the Anthropocene. It's a fancy word, you know. You've heard me use it before. It's really a posh word, Anthropocene. What does it mean? Well, it means really we're living in the age of uh, mankind, and geologists tend to uh, grimace a bit when you say that. (laughs) Thanks for joining us again, John. Thanks. Pleasure to be here. Anthropocene. Yeah, the Anthropocene, it's, uh, yeah, the human epoch. So, you know, the geological time scale is subdivided into all those Miocene, Eocene, Paleocene, you know, all these words that many people have never heard of. Well, this is the Anthropocene. And the main thing about it is it's trying to emphasize the really almost Earth-scale impact that humans are now having. Yeah, I think we're aware that <laughs> things can never be the same. It's just changed enormously. There's this acceleration. It's not just climate change, it's everything else as well. That's right. So the West Coast is fortunate in the fact that it has been relatively not as affected by humans as other places on the globe, but it's certainly not immune to human influences. And one of the aspects of the book that I explore quite a bit is just what have the human impacts been and how can we understand them and how can we adapt to them and how can we improve upon our interface with nature to minimize or reduce the some of the negative impacts that humans have. And one of the things you pointed out, and it, it really it really brings you up short, is that, yes, we have an impact on the environment, on the, the Earth generally, on the entire planet, but there is a, a reciprocal impact from the Earth. It, it punches back, as it were, so there's, it goes both ways. That's right. You know, uh, whether it's global warming and changes in climate, things that are very difficult for us to often deal with in terms of drought, aspects around loss of habitat, loss of species. These are all very global big problems that humans are facing and we face them locally as well as you know the global scene and so a lot of the book tries to talk about what we might do to try to ease up on the impact that are increasing as you said exponentially so we we really need to take action it's got to be done water for instance just water is one of the four instances but well i think every river major river on the planet has been altered reconfigured, dammed, rerouted, so there are no natural flowing rivers left anymore. The same thing here in South Africa. Yeah, a lot of our dams are built, of course, on the rivers, and they have, and there's many farm dams, as you'll notice when you drive through the countryside. So the role of water is so critical, of course, to farming and our survival. And we all most of us would remember the drought that we've all been through and the, and how difficult that was and scary to think that, you know, the tap could run dry. I mean, it was was very sobering to realize that. And water has such a role to play in 
shaping the land. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's always been a water-scarce area. Water has always been a challenge. And I guess one of the aspects I found quite intriguing in researching the book was this idea of towing an iceberg. Ah, uh, yes. from the south, uh, I love that, Ocean. yes, and you, the so, size of that iceberg with these tiny tankers, immense tankers we think they are, but they're, they're tiny compared to the size of the iceberg. That's right. Getting it up here and melting it, that, yeah. that's been a dream for a long time, but I don't suppose it'll ever be realized. Well, we'll see. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so anything could happen, and change is something that geologists deal with all the time, change over hundreds of millions of years, but change is something that is into us every day. We can't go backwards. That's right. And we can document those changes on the West Coast over millions of years, over tens of thousands of years, over just the last century. And those changes are happening, and there is a certain amount we can do in response to them, but other changes we're simply going to have to adapt to, and those real challenges that we'll have to face. All right. Well, you can read about those challenges and so much else beside. And we haven't mentioned the economic factor, but of course, it's very important. Although the West Coast is sparsely populated and doesn't seem to be much going on there, apart from fishing, etc., actually, when you think of the tonnage of iron ore coming out of the West Coast and traveling down on those immensely long trains, it's economically also at the epicenter of South Africa's economy. Yes, there are a lot of mines, many of which people don't know about, but certainly there's the Macwa Sands on the heavy mineral sand side. There's a number of big open pits just in the Tigerberg where all of our road aggregate comes from that we build our roads with. So, And there was the kaolinite mines that used to exist in Nordhook. So, yeah, there's actually a lot of earth movement going on that's around human consumption of earth materials to build homes and build roads. Just a glimpse of what you can pick up in the book West Coast and Natural History by John S. Compton, who is, uh, as you gather, a geologist, a geochemist, and an enthusiast for the West Coast. And he has a website, www.johnscompton.com. Simple as that, johnscompton, one word, dot com. Go and check it out and try and get uh, the book into your hands because like anything else, once you hit the West Coast, you'll never want to come back. Once you start reading the book, you'll want to go to the West Coast. Thanks very much. Great. Pleasure. I'm John Richards. I'll join you again here on Being Green next time. Being Green was brought to you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. If we condense the history of Earth into 24 hours, then we've been around for a few seconds. A short time to create havoc, yet long enough to know that we have the power to make a difference to our planet. It starts at home, from the moment we wake up and turn on our energy-saving light bulbs. Switch on to a sustainable world with Galinda Moser from Remax Living, our passionate and proud sponsor of Being Green on Fine Music Radio. If